biology. 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 Hello and welcome to another episode of the HSC Biology Podcast. Today we are going to be looking through the dot point, compare the causes, processes and effects of different types of mutation, including but not limited to point mutation and chromosomal mutation. So when we look at the dot point itself, the words to pull out are certainly causes, processes and effects. We looked a bit at causes of mutation last week on the podcast. We spoke about mutagens. They might be physical, chemical, or naturally occurring. We can also talk about errors during DNA replication, which cause the errors we're going to look at today, and errors during polypeptide synthesis. Now, before I get into it, if you haven't heard the podcast on polypeptide synthesis, make sure you do check that out, guys. Really, the end product of what we're going to learn today is these errors are going to result in malfunctioning proteins, and, and that is, again... Um, Really important to understand the process and how we end up there. So make sure you check that out if you haven't already. So let's get into some of the content now. And this one does have quite a few definitions. So if you want to write these down or you uh, want to sort of um, get a little booklet going, there's certainly quite a few in here. So um, hopefully you can follow along. Uh, let's start with point mutations. So one type of mutation that can occur in your DNA is a point mutation. And a point mutation occurs at a certain point in your DNA. Uh, well, that's how I explain it anyway. It's a, a certain point where something happens. And there can be a few things that happen here that we put under the category of point mutations. So the first one we're going to talk about today is base substitution. And a base substitution is, as it sounds, where you replace an A, a T, a G, or a C with a different letter. And when that happens, you can get some errors or some malfunctioning polypeptides. So that's what this is all about. If you remember the polypeptide synthesis process, you end up getting three-letter combinations or codons that work out to be related to certain amino acids. And that's really why this is very important. When you change a single letter, you're going to potentially be changing the amino acid you produce and therefore the polypeptide at the end of that sequence. So a base substitution where you do replace that A, T, G or C with a different letter can result in a number of different outcomes. The first one we're going to talk about is a silent mutation. A silent mutation is where you replace a letter, so an A to a T, and the T actually has no effect on the amino acid you make. It's just by a chance that the letter combination or the codon that you've got there is going to give you the same result. You're going to get the same amino acid, um, whatever it might be. So silent mutations are when you get the same amino acid produced, but your DNA has changed. You've got a different letter combination than you had before. Now, what can happen as well is a neutral mutation. A neutral mutation is where you change the amino acid. So a base substitution occurs, a T to an A, and when that happens, the amino acid you produce can be different, but sometimes the amino acid won't have an effect on the protein or its function. So you can get a neutral mutation where you've got a new amino acid, but again, it doesn't affect the polypeptide's function. It still works as normal. 
Now, the third one is one that I have spoken about before, and this is a missense mutation. This is where, again, you have a base substitution, but the new amino acid that is being produced is one that is having a detrimental effect or a phenotypic effect. It's changing something in the polypeptide. Now, because that polypeptide has changed, in most cases, you're going to get a negative effect. Mutations are mostly negative. Every now and then, they're neutral, um, and sometimes, luckily, they can be positive. Um, the, I guess the production of all new alleles in a po population is due to mutation. But let's go back to missense. A missense mutation is where you get a new amino acid produced. And that new amino acid causes a change in the polypeptide's function. And one good example of this is indeed sickle cell anemia, which I have spoken about before. This is where you have a combination which was GAG, the usual DNA base sequence or base codon GAG, has changed to a GTG. So A has been replaced by T. Now that single base substitution causes the polypeptide that makes your hemoglobin to clump up together, to basically all ball up together. And that clumping happens inside the red blood cells. So all of those polypeptides that you're producing that should be fully formed and functional to carry oxygen have unfortunately now clumped together. And what that does is it causes your red blood cells to become sickle-shaped, which is where the name comes from. Um, and you can think about a sickle kind of like a crescent moon. So a crescent moon shape is probably a bit easier for the students to understand. Um, and imagine all the red blood cells are now like that. And that's going to have a negative effect on your ability to carry oxygen around the blood. And that is all from a single base substitution that goes under the heading of a missense mutation where you have a new amino acid being produced due to that incorrect letter combination. So that's a very unfortunate single base change that can lead to a pretty negative phenotypic effect. There are a couple others as well that we'll talk about, but the main one we're going to look at is nonsense mutation. Nonsense mutation is where the letter combination you get changes to produce a stop codon, okay? And a stop codon is where usually your body or your polypeptide synthesis process says, hey, stop making that polypeptide now, you've finished. Uh, the molecule you wanted is complete, but... Unfortunately, sometimes when you have a base substitution, you accidentally tell this process to stop. So you might be halfway through making a, uh, a protein for muscle or a polypeptide for your muscles and a stop codon or a base substitution occurs and this causes a stop codon to occur. In other words, stop making the polypeptide. Now, having half a polypeptide, you can probably figure out that's going to have a negative effect on the end product. So that's a nonsense mutation. So I'll go through those quickly one more time. We have a silent mutation. Silent is where there is a change to the base, so a T to an A, for example, but there's no change to the amino acid. A neutral mutation, where once again, there's a base substitution, T to an A, but this has an effect and changes an amino acid, but that doesn't affect the protein. It doesn't affect the protein at all. So they're not too bad. Then we have missense mutation. Not so good. This is where you make a new amino acid 
and it has a significant effect on the polypeptide. A great example to use is sickle cell anemia, where the hemoglobin molecule clumps together and causes the sickle shaped or the crescent moon shaped of those red blood cells, minimizing your ability to carry oxygen. Finally, we have the nonsense mutation, which produces a stop codon that tells your polypeptide synthesis machines or the ribosome to stop copying and therefore stopping a polypeptide before it should have been finished, causing significant phenotypic effects. So there's some of the point mutations and the names that you need to know. And there are two others that can have an even more significant effect. Well, it usually can anyway. The next two we're going to talk about, still under the banner of point mutations, are insertions and deletions. Again, pretty easy for students to understand these. Nice, simple words um, that mean exactly what they are. So an insertion, as it sounds, is where you insert a base into the sequence. And this is where you usually get your... Um, you write on the whiteboard and you write a sentence like, the fat cat saw the rat. All three-letter words to represent codons. Um, and then you show them what happens when you insert a new letter into that sentence. Now, because your body only reads things in threes, you might be able to figure out that there's going to be an issue here. When you insert one of the letters, everything else is going to move down. And we call that movement of that, that uh, section a frame shift mutation. So an insertion where you insert a letter into the code, an A, T, a G, or a C, into the code, causes a frame shift mutation. In other words, all the letters beyond that point are going to move down. And for a deletion, it's the opposite. They're all going to move up one. And so the sentence I said before, the fat cat saw the rat, I usually take out one of the letters in the first word. So if I take out the um, E in the, I get thf, at that's, I'm going to stop reading. You could probably get the idea by now. The sentence doesn't make sense. The three letters now make a nonsensical word combination that, that means nothing to you. And that's kind of like what happens in the DNA. You can imagine this having a much more significant effect on the phenotype of the individual because not only could one amino acid be affected, but every single amino acid after that point can be affected. So an insertion or deletion causes a frame shift mutation and that frame shift mutation can cause every other base after and three letter combination or those codons to be read differently and therefore every other amino acid can be incorrect after that point and that is certainly going to have an effect on the phenotype so probably a much more significant um, problem in insertion or deletion. So that's pretty much the end of point mutations. And as I said before, there's always other examples you can use, but that's a good number to use. And um, it's always good to get the students to practice writing those sentences out and taking out certain letters so they understand the idea. You also want to make sure that you're showing this example using a polypeptide synthesis model. So after you've gone through point mutations, it's a really good idea to get out your polypeptide synthesis lesson again and go through that process. But this time, this time, I want you to replace certain letters and say that there's a mutation, a point mutation somewhere along the way, um, and go through all of them, silent, neutral, missense, nonsense, insertions and deletions. And, and it's a pretty nice flow. You, the students can really see that end product being a problem. And it also reteaches them polypeptide synthesis, which is really useful. So please make sure you do that, guys. It's, a, it's a, definitely a big skill for the HSC. All right, we're going to move on now to chromosomal mutations. 
And a chromosomal mutation is, again, pretty easy to understand. These are um, mutations that affect parts or entire chromosomes. And we do have a number of different ones. Now, these are usually more significant, and I always ask the students, why do you think that might be? And it really gauges their understanding of, of what a chromosome means to them, and hopefully they call out something like, well, there's more genes on the chromosome, or, you know, there's more bases, it's much longer, or something along those lines, because that's exactly right. A chromosome is made up of coiled-up DNA that is wrapped very tightly, so you can get thousands and thousands of base pairs, millions of base pairs being affected by chromosomal mutations. So they are certainly or can be much more significant on their effect of the on the individual. So chromosomal mutations usually are going to be worse. And again, we'll go through the four types now. So the first one is chromosomal deletion, and that's where you get a segment of the chromosome being removed. And obviously, as I said before, it's going to remove lots of genes in that region as well. Um, it's going to have a pretty negative effect. So that one's pretty simple to understand, a chromosomal deletion. The next one is uh, chromosomal duplication. And this is where you can get parts or entire pieces of the DNA that are duplicated. Um, sometimes they're called insertions as well, so you just need to be careful of that word choice um, where you double up a bit and it gets reinserted. Um, but a duplication is where an entire segment can be duplicated, therefore doubling the amount of genes that you get in that region. And sometimes, you know, people might think, oh, having more DNA, wouldn't that be, you know, beneficial? Um, and unfortunately, it, it's not beneficial. Uh, you can get things like um, Huntington's and uh, X-linked conditions, um, unfortunately. So, yeah, the, uh, the duplication of chromosomes can have a negative effect as well. We can have chromosomal inversions, and this is where we get bits that are removed and turned around and put back in, uh, like in a different spot. Um, and even though all of your DNA is there in the same, um, well, the same amount of DNA is there, it's been rearranged, that can also have negative effects. So we can look at things like hemophilia, which is a known um, inversion of your X chromosome. The last one we'll look at the main one is a translocation. And this is where bits of the chromosome, say chromosome one, break off and reattach to a different chromosome, maybe chromosome two or three or four, it doesn't matter. But it's basically where bits of the chromosome break off and reattach to a completely new um, homologous, non-homologous, sorry, I should say, chromosome, one that isn't of the same pair. So just to go through them one more time, we have a deletion which can be caused by the removal of the DNA segments. We have an insertion or a duplication where entire pieces are duplicated um, and put back in. Um, an example of where this can affect someone is Huntington's disease. We have an inversion where a segment of your chromosome um, breaks off, flips around and reattaches. And an example of that is uh, hemophilia. And the last one is translocation where we have an effect that a part of your chromosome breaks off and reattaches to a different chromosome. Now, there are some other examples as well that we can talk about. Things like aneuploidy, which is where you get just a change in your chromosome number because you're either missing an entire chromosome or you get an extra chromosome. And an example of this would be Down syndrome. So Down syndrome is where you get an extra copy of chromosome 21. Um, and it's also called trisomy 21, um, tri meaning three, uh, which 
again, having that extra chromosome causes the condition which most people would have seen before, that is Down syndrome. Um, it's, I suppose, not technically a mutation in that it didn't occur to change anything. There wasn't an error. It was a. It's actually called a non-disjunction where during random segregation, the chromosome 21 didn't separate properly and two of the copies got into one gamete, meaning that when it combined with a with an egg or a sperm, whichever one had the two copies, it meant they ended up with three copies of that chromosome. The last one we'll talk about is where you get a extra set of chromosomes. So a euploid is an individual that has at least more than one set. Um, so we are diploid and therefore we're euploid or euploidy. Uh, but sometimes you can get three sets or four sets or five sets, up to eight sets. And a really good example of an individual with more than the sort of, I guess, normal, I'd say, amount of sets is strawberries. If you've ever been to the supermarket and seen those very large strawberries that have the folds in them that don't look like the normal teardrop-shaped sort of strawberries you see, they have multiple sets of chromosomes, up to eight. And we do give that a name, which is polyploidy. Um, and um, I think you can call it octoploid as well. Um, uh, but yeah, they have multiple sets, which is pretty cool. And in strawberries, it just makes them extra large and I think as equally as delicious. But there's probably something not many people know about those strawberries. All right, well, I hope that was helpful in teaching you about the different types of mutations, point or chromosomal. We're now going to move on to see how they can affect different cells in your body. So the next dot point is distinguish between somatic mutations and germline mutations and their effect on an organism. It says an organism, which is probably going to be easiest to pick humans in this case. So when we look at somatic versus germline, you need to know the difference between them. A somatic cell is known as a body cell. That is, all of the cells in your body apart from your sex cells. A germline cell is one that is a sex cell. So in humans, a sperm or an egg. And those two cells are going to react differently to mutations. So a somatic cell, a body cell, will be with the individual but will stay with them. An example being cancer. So when you have a mutation caused by, say, UV radiation that causes cancer, that's going to stay in the cells within the individual. And when it divides and multiplies and forms tumors, that's going to stay with the individual. It won't be passed on. Whereas with a germline mutation, those are going to be passed on. Because it's in one of the first two cells, every cell that divides after that will carry the mutation. So germline mutations are often really detrimental because they will get passed on to the offspring who will carry the condition and then has the ability to pass it on as well as it will be in all of their cells. Whereas a somatic mutation will usually stay with the individual. Now how they occur? Well, during, again, DNA replication in a somatic cell, you can get errors, you can get physical mutagens, chemical, naturally occurring mutagens. In germline cells, you can get errors during random segregation, independent assortment, and again, in the beginning, when it is being replicated, that can still cause mutations. So, for the most part, that's really all you need for somatic versus germline. I hope that was helpful today, and as always, be sure to check out STEM Reactor, guys. Uh, they are an awesome company that provides really cool biotech for your school. Um, so make sure you check them out at stemreactor.com.au. See you next time.